time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Welcome to another edition of Re-Engineering Your Finances. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, founder and certified financial planner at CP Weldy Group, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Fort, PA, on Route 52. Find us online at cpweldygroup.com. Charles, it is great to be with you today. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Walter. I'm going to Gotham next week, uh, or actually two weeks from now, and I'm going fishing in another month or so. So Gotham fishing, fishing. it must mean the weather's getting good. It's getting good. I mean, it's a little <laughs> chilly here today, but outside of that, I think it looks good for the next couple months. What, uh, what will you be fishing for? Uh, you know what? I, I'm really doing it for my son-in-law. He's a big fisherman, and okay. I'm not much in fishing. I'd rather go golfing. But uh, basically, I got a client that you know has like a you know an annual uh, get together, and he invites certain you know people, and I'm okay. one of them. He asked me to bring a guest, so I did it with my son-in-law a couple of years ago. I think we caught about thirty some fish, but we had to throw back about twenty eight because they were too small. Oh, gotcha. Are you going to the shore, or is this a lake somewhere? Uh, this is uh, the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, okay, Maryland. Nice. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it should be fun. You know, that's it's always good. good to get out. Yeah. Do they do they drive up under the uh, Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel area at all? That thing's kind uh, of a yeah, specimen yeah. to see from the water, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it, they definitely do that. It's it is amazing. Like some of the houses on the on the bay are just phenomenal. It's just a great great day. Just you know, good to get outside. Oh, yeah. It's a good time of year for it as well. So, well, hopefully you catch bigger fish this year so you can maybe, maybe you can keep a few extras and cook them up. Yeah, that sounds great. You know? <laughs> Fingers crossed for you. We'll let you know. Uh, let me know how it goes. Uh, I'll be fishing shortly as well. Uh, we're going to be taking a trip down to uh, Florida to a favorite spot that we like. And uh, we've got a little rental house, and there's a guy down there that uh, we've known for a few years who rents out little uh, pontoon boats. Oh, and, beautiful. Uh, we're able to park it in the – it's nothing like having a boat in your backyard. So get to, get to do that uh, once a year. Having the boat parked in your backyard is a pretty unique and cool experience. So, oh, uh, yeah. So what are you going, east coast, west coast? Uh, we're going to be west coast, just south of Tampa. There's a little nice. island called Anna Maria Island. So in that vicinity is where we'll, uh, we'll be hanging out and patrolling the inner waters there, trying to catch something other than a catfish. That seems to be about all I catch every time we go down there. <laughs> My wife, on the other hand, catches a whole bunch of cool stuff and, and much bigger fish. So she actually has the fishing title in our family. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So uh, we'll we'll compare uh, how we did fishing-wise next time around when we talk. That sounds good. <laughs> uh, hopefully our fishing trips are completely safe and we don't flirt with disaster at any point in time while we're out boating and doing various things, Charles. But that is the topic of our conversation today. Are you flirting with disaster when it comes to your financial life? And here's the thing. A lot of these examples we're going to cover on today's show People are flirting with disaster and they don't even know about it. So we're going to talk about some of these areas. Maybe it'll bring to light something that uh, is going on in your own portfolio or financial life that you might need to address and improve. So we'll throw out a a couple of examples for you today. Charles, first thing I can think of is uh, like those legal documents. You know, we've probably all got some combination of legal documents that we filled out over the years. And if those things are out of date, we may have forgotten about it, and uh, we could be leaving ourselves open for all sorts of problems. Yeah, I would say the things that come to mind uh, when you talk about legal documents to me is that uh, wills, powers of attorney, whether they're financial or medical. And uh, what I realize is like, you know, maybe like half the people have the wills and powers of attorney in order, but the other half don't even have them at all. And uh, what I find when I review the wills and powers of attorney is that 
for the most part, they have an executor or an executor listed or a power of attorney listed. But there's uh, sometimes when I'm looking at them, I realize that they don't have a backup. So the event that that person who they named as executor or executrix or power of attorney were no longer here, they got to get the paperwork done all over again. So uh, again, I'm not an attorney, but I do look at those documents. And I definitely want to make sure that not only do they have a person that they trust listed as their you know, representative, but they have a backup also. That's yeah, important. And uh, just one of those things that you're probably making part of your regular routine as an advisor, you're checking to make sure that these things are up to date uh, when you meet with folks each year, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I, I think is a big missing for a lot of people is obviously when they have life insurance policies or annuity contracts or IRAs, there's a beneficiary listed. Uh, but you know, usually when they have like a, what we call a non-qualified account, and that would be an account that's either at a brokerage uh, place or you know maybe at a bank. They don't have beneficiaries listed, and if truth be told, I mean the person at the bank or you know the broker that uh, you know is, is you know working the account, they pretty much know that if that person were to pass away, that you know the the, the monies would go to uh, a surviving spouse and or children equally. And and you know I don't know why for the life of me they don't take the extra five minutes and explain to the client that, hey, you know, if you were no longer here, where would you want the money to go? And there's a simple one-page paper form called transfer on death. And that acts as a beneficiary designation for monies that aren't in IRAs, uh, 401ks, uh, life insurance policies, or annuities. So that's the big, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call it a disaster, but the reality of it is most people, when they, you know, pass from this earth, they want, you know, all the things that they've accumulated uh, to go to the people they love in the most efficient manner possible. And really like adding that TOD, transfer on death, to uh, non-IRA assets uh, or, you know, non-life insurance policies or uh, what was the third thing I said, uh, annuity contracts, that would go a long way of making the things go to the you know, people they love uh, more quicker and more efficient. We've all heard the stories of uh, having the wrong beneficiary on a document and how that can, um, you know, it's the ex-wife that's on there instead of the current wife. And, uh-oh, big problems all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a member of the Ed Slot group, and, you know, he gives us uh, stories now and then. One story I remember was uh, somebody got divorced and, you know, they changed all the, you know, beneficiary designations on most of their paperwork, but they forgot to change the beneficiary designation on their 401k at work. And that was the largest uh, asset that the, the person owned. And, you know, they passed away and guess who got all the money? The ex-wife. I mean, uh, you know, there was a lawsuit, but, you know, again, you know, the final determination was that's a contract that super, supersedes anything. And if uh, that beneficiary designation says it goes to a specific person, uh, regardless of what your will says or anything else says, that's where it's going. So one of the problems that I find when I look at beneficiary designations, and we try to make it a point to update them annually, if need be, for all of our clients, is that uh, a lot of people don't list what I call contingent beneficiaries. They might list their surviving spouse as a primary, um, uh, but very seldom do I see like contingent beneficiaries listed. And one of the ways that we kind of bypass that and make sure that that's taken care of is we make sure that, you know, we we put the designation per stirpes, P-E-R-S-T-I-R-P-E-S, next to the primary beneficiary's name, which indicates, Walter, that in the event that person passed away, that you know, their share would go to their, you know, their children, their blood children. 
And, um, you know, again, it's only like a two or three minute, you know, uh, conversation and maybe a one minute documenting that. And by and large, most of the um, beneficiary designations that I review, a lot of them are missing that, you know, that that wording per stirpes or, you know, in lieu of that, listing uh, all the contingent beneficiaries in the event the primary passed away initially. I thought uh, per stirpes was one of those things that they warned us about in school that we had to be careful about uh, there, Charles. But, yeah, I remember when I was a sophomore, I, you know, I was a biology major, and I really loved the biology. And you're right, you know, we I learned about that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too good, too good. All right, shift gears a little bit here because uh, we can only talk about out-of-date forms for so long, Charles. Let's get to something a little bit uh, that's got a little bit more pop and sizzle to it, so to speak. Okay. The uh, ticking tax time bomb. Yeah, that's a good uh, good word for you there. The ticking tax time bomb. What is that? Why is that an area where people are flirting with disaster? This this must be a bomb that we don't know is counting down. Yeah, well, a lot of people might be somewhat aware of it, but they never really quantified it. And what they're talking about there is that, you know, a lot of people have money that they put away in, say, a 401k or an IRA or something that's tax deferred. But the problem with tax deferral is at some point, you know, it's deferred and it has to be uh, taken in as income. And uh, many, many people, you know, um, even yours truly included, have been trained and taught that, hey, let's, uh, you know, take as much as we can as a deduction in our working years so that when we retire, we'll be able to take that money out at reduced tax rates. But the problem is that, you know, as you fund these accounts, you get a deduction, let's just say round numbers, you have a 401k, you're putting in 24000 a year. Well, you know, at 6%, money doubles every 12 years. So in like 24 years, that money like quadruples and you've got to take it out, you know, once you hit 72 years old for most people today, based on the new rules, and you're going to get taxed probably at 24, 25, 28%. And the point I want to make is that maybe it's like more uh, reasonable to consider prepaying the tax on the seed when you put the money in so that the harvest, the money that you take out will be tax free as opposed to just blindly putting money in year after year after year and then being forced to take it out whether you need it or not at a certain age and maybe uh, having it subject to much higher taxes than they currently are today. So, you know, I used to think, you know, as a planner, like, wow, like, you know, the most I would have my clients pay in taxes would be like 32% because, gee, when they retire, I can't see, you know, a lot of my clients being in a 32% or higher tax bracket. But one of the things that I failed to realize, and I'm realizing it more and more as I do more and more plans, is that I don't have a problem having clients pay taxes, even as high as 37%, the highest tax rate. If you know the 37% is being uh, paid on the seed, the seed being like the existing account balance, so that I can free up the remaining balance to grow tax-free for the rest of their life. So the harvest would be tax-free if I just pay the 37% on the seed. So it's not for everybody, obviously, you know, obviously, you know, each case is, you know, is different. But by and large, what I'm finding is that um, you really have to do an analysis one-on-one and see like when people are going to be needing this money or using the money. And does it make sense to really get rid of your partner, Uncle Sam, sooner rather than later? And if so, you know, what, you know, percentage, you know, is a good percentage to pay them off so that, you know, all that future growth for you and for your kids, you know, if they inherit will be tax free for years and years to come. All right. One more example here, Charles. These are some ways that we see people. Actually, I I lied. Two more. Uh, The ways that people are flirting with disaster and maybe not even know it. The ticking tax time bomb, those incorrect forms or 
beneficiary designations. What about when it comes to long-term care expenses and the fact that so many people are flirting with disaster by the fact that they just don't have a plan for that issue? Well, you know, long-term care, I kind of get a smile on my face when I talk about it because everybody wants it, but nobody wants to pay for it. And I remember years and years ago, uh, actually 2004, so it's like 17 years ago, I'm my, my dad's financial planner. And at the time I said, hey, dad, you know, you don't have any long-term care. Everything else looks like it's in good order. But God forbid, if something were to happen to you and you have to go into a, a long-term care facility or need someone to come in at home and take care of you, uh, what am I going to tell my, you know, my siblings? Like, I got 10 brothers and sisters. And he looks at me with a, a, you know, one of these smiles and he, he says, son, just tell them that I pray a lot. And uh, in the real world, my dad passed away in his sleep, which doesn't really happen that often. But um, you know, that's one way of planning for long-term care, plan on dying in your sleep. But the reality of it is today, long-term care is maybe a little bit easier to digest. And by that, what I mean, Walter, is that, you know, even somebody like myself, true confession, my wife and I have a traditional long-term care policy, which means that we pay monthly premiums. Um, you know, we've been doing it for like 10 plus years and, you know, I'm in my sixties now. And, you know, hopefully I'll live a ripe old age. And my concern is like, hey, with whatever I'm paying now, what am I going to be paying when I'm in my early 80s? You know, and, uh, you know, what if I don't need it? I wasted all that money. So, you know, the way that it's set up for me and I'm a planner and I have great policies and my wife has the same mirror policy. You know, I'm happy with it. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, it could be very costly if we don't use it. And, you know, it's almost like a catch 22. Do you want to use it or do you not want to use it? However, today, you know, they have different types of long-term care coverage. One of them might be, hey, you buy an insurance policy. I'll just give you a, a quick example. Let's just say the death benefit's 300 grand and uh, you pay into it, you know, uh, X amount of dollars. Let's just say that you paid uh, what would be reasonable, something like, say, 25,000 a year for five years. And uh, so you put 125 in the policy, you have a $300,000 death benefit. But the beauty of it is if you ever need it long-term care and you qualify for long-term care coverage, the insurance company will allow you to take maybe up to 90% of that death benefit. In that example, it's $270,000 to use for long-term care. So in that instance, whether you need long-term care or you don't need long-term care, it's truly not an expense. You're just reallocating these premiums to pay for a death benefit in the event you don't need long-term care or a long-term care benefit in the, in the event that you do need it. So that's a good thing that might get a lot of people off their, you know, the, the, uh, I guess like, you know, looking at, at it from a perspective of like, hey, maybe I can afford it because if I don't use it, I still have an asset and, you know, it, it's a, a viable solution. The other alternative and the last alternative that I know about for long-term care is that people will put money into an annuity policy. So let's just say, for example, uh, you, you put $100,000 into an annuity. Well, today, interest rates are relatively low. And I think maybe a good annuity could maybe get you, you know, uh, I would say, like, let's just say 3%. Well, this company that has this long-term care coverage might offer you 1%. All right. So 1% on $100,000, you know, most people won't do that. But as part of the benefit of that contract, if you ever needed long-term care, they would create a pile of money that would be two to three times greater than your premium payment of $100,000. So in the example that I just gave, you put $100,000 up, you only get paid 1% a year in interest. Yeah, you might be forfeiting 2% in the real world because somebody else is getting three on an annuity contract. 
but it gives you the opportunity to, if you need long-term care, to leverage an asset that will pay you two to $300,000 supplemental monies to cover your long-term care costs. Does that make sense? It does. It does make yeah. sense. It- so again, not for everybody, but you know, obviously, you know, I always ask the clients the question, if you need a long-term care, where would you get the money from? And if somebody says, well, I get it from the CD, then I might be open-minded to saying, you know what, if you took the money from the CD in your left pocket, you put it in your right pocket and you're still getting 1%, you know, in the CD and now you're getting 1% in the annuity, but you just leverage that annuity to give you a two hundred or $300,000 long-term care benefit. It might be a win-win. It's such an important topic to discuss, even though people don't like diving into it. It just makes a huge difference in the long run if you have the right things set up there. And so many more of us than we realize are going to need to have that kind of plan in place. All right, last one for you, Charles. Uh, Flirting with disaster. Are there some areas in your financial life where you're doing this and you don't even know it? You might be doing that if you uh, have the classic 60-40 portfolio. What is that and how many times do you see people kind of uh, flirting with disaster with it? Well, you know, uh, true confession, I have quite a few clients that are 60, 40 moderate, you know, uh, growth investors. And I'm really looking at that, you know, from a different point of view today. Why? Because number one, interest rates on bonds are like historically low. I mean, if you can go out today and get uh, a 30 year mortgage at 3% or less, what do you think a high quality uh, corporate bonds paying? Like a lot less. So the point I want to make is that. When people have bonds in their portfolio, they might be a hedge against market losses when it comes to stocks. But if interest rates are at historically uh, low interest rates today and interest rates rise in the future, and I don't think they're going to rise next year or the year after, but fast forward three to five years from now, they could rise a lot. And if they rise a lot, the value of the bonds that we own within that portfolio go down in value. So the point I want to make about a 60-40 portfolio is that, you know, in a rising interest rate environment and stocks will always pretty much be volatile, that 60-40 portfolio is not going to be uh, something that's going to be easy to tolerate um, going forward uh, if we find ourselves in a rising interest rate environment. So what I'm doing with my clients is I'm having a conversation and I'm saying, hey, you know, um, there's, you know, there's certain things called uh, another asset class, I call it like a fixed index annuity. A fixed index annuity is just a fixed annuity that in, their interest rate is indexed towards the stock market. And today, I mean, today's what, April 22nd, 23rd? Uh, the highest one out there that I see is like, hey, maybe you can make as high as 4% with, with no risk, all right? Well, the risk could be like, you know, the market goes down, you make zero. So you could make zero to 4%. That might be a better alternative for fixed income than having it in a portfolio where 40% of your account balance is in high quality, short to intermediate term bonds that are paying like one, two, and maybe as high as 3%, but I don't really see that. So uh, long-winded answer, but you know, I think that the volatility is going to hit the fixed income market uh, within the next couple of years, only because interest rates can't be historically low forever. These are some helpful tidbits on today's show. Again, we're talking about areas where people are flirting with disaster and may not even know it. And if that is you, if you're thinking about, oh boy, they hit on a couple of different things that I haven't really planned for. Yeah, I don't really have that long-term care plan or the, the tax time bomb is something that worries me now, having heard a little bit more about that. Any questions at all that come to mind, don't ever hesitate to reach out to Charles. Hopefully this information was helpful to you today. You can reach out and call him 610-388-7705. Talk about your particular plan and situation, 610-388-7705. Or you can find Charles online, of course, at cpweldygroup.com. 
And we'll put the information to contact Charles in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. Charles, thanks for the help, and uh, enjoy chatting with you, and we'll uh, discuss again soon. Thank you, Walter. Have a great day. Join us again next time right back here on the Reengineering Your Finances podcast. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.